Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. All right, good morning, Crossroads. Welcome to our Sunday morning worship celebration where we love coming together to celebrate Jesus even when we have to do so as our nation kind of comes together uh, to mourn and reflect on tragic events. So this morning, September 11th, 21 years ago, um, horror and tragedy just kind of rocked our nation as countless lives were lost unnecessarily. Uh, But out of that tragedy also came an unprecedented time in our nation where we came together uh, as one. We put political, racial, cultural, all of these differences aside to come together um, as one. And not that that makes it any easier uh, to reflect on a day like today. But in the spirit of that, uh, I thought that we would start our Sunday celebration with that same spirit of unity uh, without the tragedy uh, by partaking of communion together. So for those of you who are watching at home, watching online, feel free to grab some crackers or juice or whatever and join us uh, in a few minutes as we partake of communion. I want to share a verse really quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, this is the complete Jewish Bible version. This is, this is the way that the Jewish person would have understood the Hebrew language and how they would have received what Paul was writing to them in that day. He writes, nevertheless, brothers, I call on you in the name of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, that's Jesus the Christ, to agree all of you in what you say. And he was writing this to a church in Corinth where they were divided over race, they were divided over culture, they were divided over sexuality. But he writes and says, I want all of you to agree in what you say and not to let yourselves remain split into factions, but be restored to having a common mind and a common purpose. Be restored to having a common mind about what we think about Jesus and a common purpose fulfilling what he has called us as the people of God to do. And nothing speaks to unity and commonality more than partaking of communion. So I'm going to ask uh, Kevin and Gary, can you guys come up? And while they're coming up and uh, pulling the covers off, I'm going to share a verse with you. A few chapters later, Paul wrote to the same people in Corinth, and he said, For I receive from the Lord... What I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So as I break this bread, and granted, we're still in a COVID central world, so there's tissue around us, so as they're holding it, no one can feel like they're touching other things that people have touched, but... God, as we partake of the broken bread today, we pray that our hearts and our minds would be reflected upon the fact that this was your body broken for us, for all of humanity. 
And then he wrote this. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So God, as we prepare to take, partake of communion, we pray that our hearts and minds would be centered on you. We pray that we would understand that as we partake of this bread, it's a reminder of how your body was broken for all of humanity. As we partake of the juice, it's a reminder of how your blood was shed for the remission of sins for all of humanity. As we do this together, it's a reminder of the unity that you call your people into, to be one in you, in Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand, and as you feel led, uh, feel free to come up and partake of, uh, just pull off a piece of the bread, dip it into the juice, uh, and then when you make your way back to your seats, you can either be seated or remain standing, but then after this, we're going to just come together and praise God in song. Uh, and if maybe you feel like, hey, now is not the time for you to come forward, maybe just spend some time praying with God, but as you feel led, Come forward and partake of communion. As you are making your way back to your seats and getting situated, this morning uh, we're going to start a brand new series that I'm, I'm really excited about. Um, and as many of you know, we are entering into the peak of the coming election season, right, where you're going to get inundated, if you haven't been already, with mail, phone calls, emails, text messages from politicians you've never heard of, all kind of stuff, uh, making sure that you know that they're, whatever their political perspective is. But let me, let me say this, this series that we're about to go into uh, is not about politics. It's not, even though it's gonna sound like it is, it's not, uh, we're not trying to change anyone's uh, political party or anything like that. Um, we're going to spend the next few weeks walking through the book of Daniel, and hopefully we'll walk away with three things. Now, I think it was over about a year and a half ago or so. Um, I don't remember. Bobby, if you're watching online, maybe you can keep me honest. Uh, we walked through a Bible study that Pastor Mark Berkshire walked us through on the book of Daniel. That was more verse by verse looking at uh, the prophetical implications and looking at all the prophecies and all of that, that's not really what we're doing. Uh, this series that we're walking through, we're walking through the book of Daniel, but the goal is that, one, as we walk through it, that we'll see uh, the call for unity amongst the people of God, right? Throughout the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel, uh, you'll see uh, um, verses and chapters that talk about just God's plan for his people, all of his people, right? So unity amongst the people of God. And this verse that we looked at earlier kind of screams to that. 1 Corinthians 1.10, uh, but this is the amplified version. I urge you, I entreat you, which is basically Paul begging the church in Corinth, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in perfect harmony and full agreement in what you say, and this is key, and that there be no dissensions or factions or divisions among you. Now, at the time he wrote this, as I said earlier, the, the church in Corinth, there were people of different 
uh, upbringing, people with different cultures. There were Gentiles, there were Jewish people, people with different views on politics, people with different views on sexuality, you name it. They were just all divided. And there were also people who, um, and I'm not hating on denominations, but some people, Paul talks about later, who said, well, I follow Paul, well, I follow Barnabas, and today that would be, why follow the Presbyterians, why follow the Luthians, why follow the Baptists, why follow all of these divisions that we have. And he says, hey, I don't want there to be any dissension, any factions, any divisions among you, but that you're perfectly united in your common understanding and your opinions and your judgments. And throughout the book of Daniel, what God reveals to Daniel is information that's supposed to bring all of the people of God together. So we're going to focus on that over the next couple of weeks. But also, hopefully, we remember that we, if we're, if we're Christians, that we're ambassadors of God, right? We are supposed to represent Christ to the world. Uh, Paul writes in the second letter to the church in Corinth, we're Christ's ambassadors, God making his appeal as it were through us. We're Christ's personal representatives, and we're going to see that Daniel doesn't use the phrase Christ's ambassadors, right? But we're going to see throughout the book of Daniel, where even though he was working for governments that were really opposed to the things of God, he still did so and represented God to the people that were of God, to the people that were opposed to God, and to the political parties and leaders. Granted, they weren't political parties. They were kings and kingdoms that were opposed to God. He still represented God and put God first, right? So uh, we're going to see that as well as hopefully we all walk away with an understanding of what's a proper political response when there are, for, for Daniel, it was kings and kingdoms. For us, it's politicians and political leaders that are opposed to the things of God, but also ones that we didn't vote for, right? And, and, and I'll, I'll throw this out there because... Uh, we have people in here who are Democrats. We have people that are Republicans, Libertarians. I'm registered independent. We, we cover the spectrum. I don't know if we have anyone that's of the Green Party, but I don't want to leave anyone out, so if that's you, uh, we have those as well. But we have the whole spectrum. And here's the thing. Whoever wins, whether it be a state election, whether it be a senatorial election, whether it be a congressional election, whether it be local school board, they're not going to be of all of those parties. And when we get down to the presidential election, when that comes, right, whoever that is, they're not going to be of all those parties. They're going to be of one of those parties. So we as the people of God, we have to have a proper political response. Now, I will say this, because I'm the first. When people post hateful things, I don't respond to. But funny things about politicians, yeah, all day long. I laugh like everybody else, because some of them are funny, because some of the politicians don't really leave us any room to not, because they just do funny stuff. But the hateful things, the, the, the you know, mean-spirited things, for the people of God, we're going to see where Daniel doesn't leave us any room for that, right? Uh, he, he doesn't really leave a lot of room to look at someone who's in a different political party and then criticize and judge them. Now, here's the thing. Daniel, right, and we'll, we'll get into this, he's going to end up working for a bunch of different kings, right? And, and none of those kings that he works for, or those you could call them political systems or whatever, kingdoms, uh, are ones 
who see the way of life the way he thinks, Daniel thinks, right? We all have different opinions on how the nation should be run, run and, and what should be done about certain things. But what typically happens, especially among Christians, it happens among everybody, but we're only talking about Christians here, is that we look at someone, if I'm of party A, I look at someone who's of party B, and I say, well, you can't be a real Christian unless you vote for this thing, or you can't be a real Christian because you didn't vote for or support this thing. And the people in party B look at people in party A and say the same thing in every other party. And we probably heard people say, well, you can't be a real Christian if you're a Republican or if you're a Democrat or if you're you know, independent. I've had people tell me, how can you be a real Christian unless you pick a side? I'm like, because Republican and Democrat don't show up in the Bible. That, that's how. But everyone has their opinion of you can't be a real Christian if you don't vote this way. Right? And I want to show you this. Uh, we're going to dig into this in a minute, but I want to show you how we get started with this. Um, Daniel ends up, it says, and Daniel remained there till the first year of King Cyrus. And we'll talk about this in a minute. He ends up staying working for a government that is opposed to the things of God, that, that, that decimated God's people, right? That killed millions of God's people, that destroyed their nation, that enslaved their people, and he ends up staying working for them for not one, not two, but three or more different political regime changes. And he stays working for them. Now, after the first one, and you'll see this in a couple of weeks, after the first one, he could have said, you know what, I'm going to retire now. I'm done working for the first king, which was Nebuchadnezzar. I'm done working for him. And Nebuchadnezzar found such favor in him. He probably could have said, you know what, you can retire. I'm going to set you up on a little house on the coast. We'll put a security detail around you. You go live out the rest of your life. You've done our kingdom great. We're so happy for you. But he didn't. He worked for that king, and that kingdom that enslaved his people, worked for the next one, the next one, and some theologians say there was at least one more. And do you know why he did that? Even though none of us, when we get to heaven, are going to look at Daniel and say, well, you weren't really a person who was following after God, right? Because he obviously was. But do you know why he was able to work for a political regime that was opposed to the things of God, and still no one was really able to criticize him like we do people who aren't in the parties, we think. Here's why. Let me show you this. Daniel chapter 7, we'll get to this down the road, but it says, Daniel had a vision. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man. He's talking about Jesus. Coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days, he's talking about God the Father, and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion, that word dominion is just king's domain, king's kingdom, king's domain. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. And look at this. This is what he says. He says, I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit and visions that passed through my mind, disturbed me. I approached one of those standing there and asked him the meaning of this. So he asked another angelic being, hey, I'm seeing a lot of stuff. And we'll get to that. I'm seeing a lot of stuff. Can you explain to me what I'm seeing? So he told me, he gave me the interpretation of these things. 
the four great beasts, we'll talk about that later, four kings for us, four nations, four political powers that will rise from the earth. Here's the key. But the holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever, yes, forever and ever and ever. So Daniel understood, right? God revealed to him. So Daniel understood, even though I'm working for a political power, a king, a kingdom, that is opposed to the things of God, that I definitely don't agree with, but I'm working for them, I can still call for unity amongst the people of God, which he did. I can still be an ambassador of God and represent God even amongst a government or political system that is opposed to the things of God, and I can show a proper political response that's God-honoring. I don't have to hate them. I don't have to put nasty Facebook things about them. I don't have to send mean tweets about them. I just have to represent God, even though I'm working for a government system that is opposed to God. And that, that's, that's what I'm hoping that we get out. Now, as we go through this over the next couple of weeks, here's a couple of things that are going to happen, right? A couple of things that you're going to see. Uh, some people, even though we look and see how we should be responding based on the word of God, not based on my opinion, based on the word of God, some people are just going to cling to their old political response. And again, we're not telling anyone to change a political party, right? I have been here 15 years, never told anyone to change a political party. My thing is always go pray and then vote as God leads you if you're a Christ follower. So, but some people are going to cling. It's just, hey, I've been doing this for 20 years. I've been making fun of that political party. I was born into this, whatever it is. They're just going to cling to their old political response. Nothing that is in the word of God, nothing that the word of God says is going to change them. I hope that's not true, but the reality is, and I'm not just thinking about people in this room. There are people that are going to watch this online, people that will watch it later, people that will download it. It's not going to change them. Nothing we can do about that. But there are some people that are going to look and say, you know what? I've never looked at the word of God that way. I've never seen it that way. I've never heard it put that way. I'm going to consider that maybe I should do things differently. Maybe I should respond differently. Maybe I should not make as much fun. I had to do this, and it took a little while, because if it's funny, I'm going to laugh and whatever, but had to go back and say, okay, I need to consider the way I respond to political things. Maybe I need to do it different if I'm supposed to be an ambassador of Christ, right? And there are hopefully a large percentage of us that are going to say, you know what? Maybe I, I, I need to do that too. Maybe I need to look at the way that I respond and treat people of different political parties. Now, hopefully, uh, I mean, this is the dream. Hopefully, we all walk away and say, you know what? I'm an ambassador for Christ. Everything I say, everything I do needs to be God-honoring, even though I want to make the joke, even though I want to bash the people, even though, you know, whatever the thing is, I'm just going to do things in a God-honoring way. Hopefully, that's where we all end up, all right? So, now, here's the reality. Every time we start a new book of the Bible, uh, for those of you who have been around for a while, you know, we only get through a couple of verses the first week. 
because I want to give us some background. I want to give information. I want to show why it's relevant to our lives. So if you have a Bible, open up to the book of Daniel chapter 1. While you're turning to Daniel chapter 1, I want to give some information and background uh, about the book and about Daniel. Right? Because a lot of people have said, well, Daniel, he's not a real character. Same way they said Jonah isn't a real character, they said, well, Daniel's not real. But the Bible doesn't leave any room for that. So really quickly, in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel prophesied starting after Daniel, but around the same time. This is what Ezekiel says. Ezekiel says, the word of the Lord came to me. So this is God speaking to him. And he says this, son of man, if a country sins against me, by being unfaithful, and I stretch out my hand against it to cut off its food supply and send famine upon it and kill its people and their animals. Even if these three men, this is God speaking, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they could save only themselves by their righteousness, declares the sovereign Lord. So according to Ezekiel, right, what Ezekiel is saying is, one, Daniel, Job, Noah, all real people, right, but he's also saying an important point. He says when God judges a nation, the only way that that nation can be saved is by individual righteousness. In other words, God doesn't look and say the whole nation is righteous. He says this person, that person, that person, that person, that person. Those are the ones who can be saved. So if it's our goal, right, because I see people all this time, we've got to save America. If you truly want to save America then share the gospel with those people in your circles of influence so that they can do the same thing, respond in a God-honoring way and be ambassadors for Christ. Here's what Jesus said about Daniel. In Matthew chapter 24, he says, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And then the very next sentence says this. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, we'll talk about that, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. So Jesus says, hey, when you see this prophecy fulfilled that Daniel spoke of, it's going to be a sign of end time events. So Jesus speaks of Daniel also as a real person. Right? The Bible doesn't leave a lot of room to say that Daniel, the book of Daniel or Daniel didn't exist. Because Daniel, just like Jesus calls him a prophet, Daniel is considered one of the major prophets. There's four major prophets in the Bible, four books, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, and Daniel. Now, if you've read through any of the others, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, those books, they're called major prophets uh, because they have lots of chapters, 30, 60 chapters. They're long. Daniel has 12, but he's considered a major prophet. Uh, one, because of the length of time he prophesied. The book of Daniel covers 70 years, specifically 70 years while Israel was in captivity. But also, and I love this, this is key, it covers, and I forget the exact number, I think there's 17 different specific prophecies about nations that will rise and fall, about nations that will interact with one another and take over one another, and specifically about the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And that one, I, I, I think, depending on if you read it, and I think uh, 
had to be at least 10 or 12 years ago when I, we preached through the book of Daniel. Uh, we went through it, and I'll, I'll touch on it again. Uh, it nails the coming of the Messiah down to the day. This is the day that the Messiah will come. 75%, actually, if you do the math, it's over. It's like 76 point something fulfilled with 100% accuracy. So accurate that even though there's historic information that shows when this book was written, that the critics of it said, well, there's no way that can be true, so we're going to change the date of when it was written to hundreds of years after these events took place. Because in their mind, that's the only way it could be true. But in God's mind, it's true because he sent Daniel to preach his word. So if you have a Bible, turn to Daniel chapter 1. Like I said, we're only going to get through a couple of verses this morning. And in Daniel chapter 1, this is what it says. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and this is about 605 to 608 B.C. when this takes place, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God, these he carried off to the temple of his God and Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Now, we'll, we're going we're gonna to see that as well later in a couple of weeks. But um, really quick, uh, it might be disturbing that even though Nebuchadnezzar came and, and conquered Jerusalem, God is the one who initiated it, called them to do it, and allowed it and delivered the people into his hand. And it might seem harsh, but the people of God had a covenant with God, right? So uh, bear with me just a few minutes more. Here's what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 28. This is when the people of God were in the desert with Moses. Anyone remember Ten Commandments? Like, still, the best version is uh, Charlton Heston version. Uh, granted, they should update the CGI, but still the best version. So after all of that, they're getting ready to cross over into the promised land. Moses is talking to the next generation of people, and he says this, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you. And he lists like blessing after blessing after blessing. You'll be this, you'll be rich, you'll have food, you'll have whatever, everything. You'll just be a blessed nation as the people of God. And God upheld his portion of that covenant, of that contract, of that agreement between the people. But there were consequences for not doing it, right? In verse 15, it says this, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I am giving you today, all of these curses will come on you and overtake you. So they were saying, if, you, if, if, if you're willing and you agree, I will be your God, you'll be my people, and if you obey my commands, all these blessings will come on you. But if you're willing and you agree, and then you renege on your portion after I've already blessed you, then here's all the curses that will happen, and all of these included, I will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You will come at them from one direction, but flee from them in seven. You will become a thing of horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. Horror, not because they're going to be like, we're afraid of you. Horror, kind of like, we don't want what happened to them to happen to us because what happened to them was just tragic, 
right? But then he goes on and he says this. They, all of these curses, all these things, they will be a sign and a wonder to you and your descendants forever because you did not serve the Lord your God joyfully and gladly in a time of prosperity. Therefore, in hunger and thirst and nakedness and dire poverty, you will serve the enemies the Lord sends against you. And this, this is the same thing that's true for us, even though as America, you could say we don't have a covenant with God, but as Christians, we do. When things are going good in times of prosperity, people just ignore God. We want nothing to do with them. But when things are going bad, when 9-11 happened, where did people flock in droves? They filled congregations all over the United States. When the pandemic started, I'll give you, when the, before the pandemic, we've been live streaming before the pandemic, so that's not a big deal, but before the pandemic started, uh, after we live stream, we take our videos, we put them on our website. People will go and watch them and download them and listen to them, and I think before the pandemic, the average was 500 to 800 downloads a month. Not bad for a congregation of our size. At the height of the pandemic, from April 2020 till about February 2021, it was 3,000 to 5,000 on average a month because people were running to the things of God. But once things start getting good in times of prosperity, we ignore God. And so he says this. In 2 Chronicles, the thing that God said would happen actually happened. 2 Chronicles details the fall of Jerusalem. The Lord, the God of their ancestors, sent word to them through his messengers again and again because he had pity on his people and his dwelling place. Right? So God's like, hey, I don't know if you guys remember, but we've got a covenant. And the things that you're doing, the, the way that you're treating one another, the evil, uh, the, the transgressions of my law that you keep doing, he sent person after person, prophet after prophet, but they mocked God's messengers, like we do today, despised his words, scoffed at his prophets, like we do today, till the wrath of the Lord was aroused against his people and there was no remedy. So he brought up against them the king of the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar, who we read about, who killed their young men with the sword in the sanctuary, did not spare young men or young women, the elderly or the infirm. God gave them all into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. He carried off to Babylon all the articles in the temple of God, both large and small, like we just read, and the treasures of the Lord's temple and the treasures of the king and his officials. They set fire to God's temple, broke down the walls of Jerusalem, burned all the palaces, and destroyed everything of value there, just like God said would happen if they violated his covenant. And he carried into exile to Babylon the remnant, which we're going to read more about, includes Daniel and his friends, who escaped from the sword, and they became servants to him and his successors until the kingdom of Persia came to power. And the land enjoyed its Sabbath rest all the time of its desolation. It rested till the 70 years were completed in fulfillment of the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. And I love how uh, throughout scripture you see all of this meshes together because Daniel prophesied for 70 years. Jeremiah says it's going to be 70 years. Chronicles says it was 70 years. Now, as the band comes up, I'm going to share this, um, because why is this important to us? 
Why, why is the fall of Jerusalem and their failure to do what God called them to do so important? Because we as the people of God need to remember this that impacted Daniel should impact us as well. They was giving to him, the Messiah, to Jesus Christ, dominion and glory and kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. His kingdom is one which shall not be destroyed, but the saints of the Most High God shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever, forever. It doesn't matter what political uh, party is in power. It doesn't matter uh, who's uh, serving on the school board, the town council, uh, the local Senate seat, the congressional seat, the federal Senate seat. It doesn't matter because those things will pass. Those are not the things that are going to save humanity. It's when we, the people of God, Stand up and proclaim Jesus. doesn't matter what political party you're in. If you're associated with the Republican Party, then be there as an ambassador of God to let the Republicans know that there is a God who loves them and sent his son to die for them. If you're associated with the Democratic Party, then be there as an ambassador of God to let them know that there is a God who sent his son to die for them because he loves them. If you're a part of any political party, or no political party, but you're a follower of Christ, then we have to bring people together. We have to proclaim the name of Jesus. And as you guys stand, I'm going to ask you to remember, we also have to prayer for the people, whether we voted for them or not, that are in positions of political power in our nation because they need Jesus as well. So I'm going to ask you guys to bow your head. God, we lift up uh, not only the, the people in the political parties, all the people that are in positions of political power right now, because that we know that they need Jesus. Yes. We lift up all of the people who, who, who are going to the polls, all of the people who have already gone, all of the people who are working at the polls. This whole election process, God, that can turn into just uh, fighting and backbiting and anger and dissension. We pray that your people would rise up and be a source of unity and ambassadors of Christ and share the political response that regardless of who's in power, that we live in a world that desperately needs Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.